All right. Um, as I said, Emily and I just got back from a six-week sabbatical, and we had a somewhat restful, but mostly busy sabbatical, but we recharge in different ways than most of you people. So, um, But I was going to say, last week I snuck, snuck into the uh, 11 o'clock service, and I was just sitting here doing worship and watch the announcements, I'm like, man, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up, stuff I didn't even realize we were doing, like kind of had whispers of it before we left, but it's all solidified. So lots of amazing things coming up here as a church. So I want to encourage you to um, take advantage of the things that we're offering, those parent class, um, the how to read your Bible class, the youth camp, all those amazing things um, coming up. It's going to be super good. So, um, but again, yeah, we had a, a restful, relaxing in our own way. Uh, sabbatical, and I have two videos this morning. I have to, I, I know I can't do a video every week of what we did, but I have two videos this morning as we're coming back in. Um, the first one is we, we spent two weeks in Maui, and um, so go ahead and roll that first one. waving at the turtle and that waved back come on that's so cool right come how many of you ever been to hawaii been to maui or or hawaii yeah it was our first time in in hawaii that was such a great time hopefully not our last and then another thing that emily and i like to do to recharge is we like to climb mountains and so um we we have a goal my wife and i both have a goal to hike all of colorado's 14ers there's 58 points in Colorado that are over 14,000 feet. Um, I'm at 42 now, and she's at 40. She's the only two behind me. Um, but we're chipping away at that goal. And so every, every year we try to get a few of them in. Um, but here's a video from us doing a, a couple 14ers. So go ahead and roll that video. About to get to the summit. Of... What mountain is this? Sunlight. Sunlight. <laughs> hey, the ear's thin. Give me a break, all right? Fourteen thousand fifty-eight feet. We're on the top of Sunlight Peak. This is Emily's first <laughs> class four fourteener. How do you feel? Good. It was fun. Nice. And, uh, yeah. I'll show you where we came from here. We started off all the way down in the valley there. Got dropped off by the train and headed up six miles. Actually, the valley's probably over that hill. Um, six miles to get to our base camp. And then, let's see, to get to here, 
another four miles to get here. And so far today, we've gained 3,600 feet. So we are hoping today, if the weather looks good, to get over there to Wyndham Peak. Uh, we'll have to go down and then re reascend. And then tomorrow, our goal is to do Ellis and North Ellis, which are all the way over there. I believe that's Ellis and North Ellis. So good. It's actually Eolus, Eolus right? I was saying it wrong, Ellis. Um, we end up getting Wyndham Peak. We did not have time to get um, Eolus and North Eolus in. So we actually have to go back eventually to that same area. Um, but it's pretty cool. You get you, know, you take the train from Durango. The only way to get into that area is to take the train. Drops you off, and uh, and then you got to hike in. So super fun times. All right. Yeah. Emily was actually happier in her in her heart than she was conveying on her face. <laughs> anyway, good stuff. Um, yeah. But that's the San Juan. I love the San Juan Mountains. I think that's my favorite mountain range in Colorado. Is the San Juans. If you've never been to the San Juans, go down there. It's really good. Really good stuff. All right. Um, we are continuing uh, the series that we've been in since before Emily and I went on sabbatical called From Dream to Destiny. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis uh, chapter 41, and uh, we'll, we'll land in verse 25 here in just a couple minutes. Um, we've been highlighting the fact that every person has a dream from God. You might have a dream for yourself, but you need to know something. God has a dream for you. Um, no one is an accident. Everyone has a plan, purpose, and destiny from God. And he created you with a dream in his heart for you. But here's the deal. Um, many people live with the dream in their heart, but they never step into the fullness of their destiny, sadly. Um, what do we need to do? We need to pass the character tests or the integrity test that God places in front of us so that we can move into the things that he has for us. Some of us many times are in a holding pattern because we don't learn the lessons that God has us in to advance on to the next thing he has for us. Um, when I first moved to Greeley, I moved to Greeley in the year 2000. I first moved up here and um, I got a job doing pipeline construction. I was a welder helper. I did that job for like six months, four to six months. And I learned a lot about wells and natural gas pipelines and those kind of things. But one thing they had to do when they, they uh, welded up a pipeline is they would have to pressure test it. They had to test the integrity of those welds and those pipes to make sure it could handle the pressure that was going to be coming through it. Listen, it is the same thing with us. The Lord doesn't want to put us in positions where we fail. He wants to, when he promotes us or he moves us into something that he has for us, he doesn't want us to falter. And so, uh, and over the course of time, and we're all in a process and God, um, tests us. Okay. Um, Joseph, and if you read the story of Joseph, Joseph took 10 tests before he could step into the fullness of his destiny. And God, we have to pass these same tests. God will play, uh, put us in, um, tests to develop us so that we can handle the destiny and not just walk with the dream. Amen. Okay. Uh, I want to show you one other picture that I took when I was in uh, Hawaii and uh, I saw this, this gentleman, we were uh, somewhere and he has this tattoo. It says dreams to reality. I'm like, that's so much like the series that we're preaching right now, dream to destiny. So I walked up to him like, 
can I take a picture of your arm, you know? And I'm like, I'm a pastor, I'm preaching a sermon, I kind of explain it. He's like, yeah, go for it, go take, take a picture, you know? And then I was, I was asking uh, Garrett earlier, is Garrett in, in here? He's probably in the back somewhere. I'm like, do you, think you could, do you think you could do that tattoo? He's a tattoo artist. And then it occurred to me, I think I could do that tattoo and be okay. Dreams to reality, all right. Let me do a quick review uh, before we get into the new content. Thank you for everyone who filled the pulpit for me uh, while we were gone. I heard great things about all the messages. Um, I've listened to uh, most of them. I'm um, not, not all the way through all of them, but it sounds like the church had some amazing times with us out. But um, part one and two, I preached these before we left. Um, part one was the pride test. Part two was the pit test. And then uh, Independence uh, Weekend, I asked Pastor Adam, I said, hey, I want you to preach something patriotic. Say, preach something like pro-America, you know. And so he did, a, he did a message, and he kind of weaved this into the series, although it's not part of the series itself. He kind of wove in this message called America from Dream to Destiny. God has a plan, purpose, and destiny for the United States of America. And Adam talked all about that. If you missed that message, uh, do yourself a favor and uh, listen to it. Um, Pastor Harmony did the prophetic test. I heard that one. It was a great message. Listen, the prophetic words that we receive, yes, they encourage us. Yes, they give us direction. But oftentimes those prophetic words are actually testing us as well. The, the word of the Lord in the Bible tests us, and the prophetic words we receive actually test us. Um, part four was the palace test. Pastor Leslie did an amazing job with that about stewardship, stewarding things God has for you. Um, part five was the purity test. Pastor Greg did an amazing job with that. Um, Part six is the prison test. I heard great things about the, uh, Matt Tarka preached that message. And then last week, Pastor Adam did the power test. Um, and that was a great message as well. Um, funny story. Um, I, I started listening to these messages and like, and I was listening to Adam and I'm like, man, he's, he's like talking really fast. And then I listen to Harmony's, I'm like, Harmony's like on fire. You know, Harmony, our, our, Harmony Brown, she already talks a little bit fast. And then it's just like brrr, flying through these messages. I'm like, man, are they nervous? What's going on? And then later on, I realized, like, I had it on 1.5 speed. <laughs> so everyone's just firing away. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. If you, I don't know. How many here, you listen to podcasts or sermons? Do you, do you listen to it on normal speed, or do you, do you speed it up a little bit? Everyone says they speed it up just a little bit. So, um, yeah, get it moving. All right. My wife's always listening to a book, and then she listens to them on, you know, speed. So um, she doesn't take speed. She listens to it on speed, okay? <laughs> just, just clarify that. It's important. Okay, this week is part... Eight, and we're talking about the prosperity test. All right, God tests us with prosperity. Let's read in Genesis chapter 41. We're going to read 25 through 36. It says this, Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance, 
aka prosperity, seven years of prosperity are coming through throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly established by God and God will do it soon. Verse 33, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth, that's 20%, by the way, a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by famine. I love this portion of scripture and I love that um, we love the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit uh, here at this church. We believe that we should, can, should, and, and want to walk in them. Um, Joseph was given the ability to supernaturally discern dream interpretation, to supernaturally discern the dream that Pharaoh had had. Okay, that was a supernatural gift. I love that. But then furthermore, he goes beyond that, and God gives him a word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom says, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be bad. Well, it'll be good and bad. But here's the word of wisdom. Here's what you should do to get through those years of lack. And so God gave him, actually gave him a, a prophetic strategy for what to do. And that prophetic strategy fed Egypt and saved the known world at that time. I love that. And at the end of this message, what I want to do is I want to pray for each and every one of us that we would have a prophetic strategy from the Lord of how to steward the things that he, he has given us, how to steward our finances um, so that we can live in abundance, um, live to be a blessing for other people. Amen. We need this. Amen. Um, so there was seven years of prosperity. Here's the question today. What will you do when you prosper? And some of you are looking at me thinking like, well, Pastor Kurt, I don't know. I'll let you know when I prosper. Okay. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. You're probably prospering more often than you realize. In fact, I would say that you're prospering on a regular interval. What am I talking about that? Listen, everyone takes the prosperity test. Some of you take the prosperity test every week. Some of you take it, like me, every other week. And some of you take the prosperity test maybe once a month. All right, what am I talking about? All right, I'm talking about tithing, and I'm talking about your paycheck, okay? Every time you receive a paycheck, you are taking the prosperity test, okay? Listen, God tests us with power. He tests us with influence. But God also tests you with a little bit of money to see how you will steward those finances, okay? Jesus said this in the Gospels. He said, if you are faithful with the little, I will make you faithful over much, all right? So here's what I want to say this morning. Part of fulfilling your destiny is directly connected to how you handle finances, how you handle money. Yes, I'm going to talk about Worldly wealth. I'm going to talk about finances this morning. Some of you are like, Pastor Kurt, you need to go back on sabbatical because we don't want to talk about money today, okay? Um, well, we are going to go there. And for the record, I don't often talk about money. It's probably, and I often don't talk about tithing, but um, it's probably the third time in the course of four and a half years that I've talked about this. And so if you're new here, it's not like we talk about money every single week, just so you know. 
but it's important. And as a pastor, I need to lead you in this, okay? Perhaps some of us have taken a few extra laps around the wilderness because, and not stepped into our promised land because we have failed the prosperity test. Listen, you young people, get this now. You want to learn these lessons now. And um, when you grow older, you'll walk in this for your whole life. Um, I want City Lights members, members of our church, to be the most amazing people in the world with money. The most amazing people in the world with finances. We just had a we just had a family move to Oklahoma. We had another family move to Florida. You know, for just different reasons, jobs and stuff like that. Man, I would love to hear testimony from a, a pastor in those cities. We're like, man, your people are the best. They come here, they serve, and they're generous. And like that's that's what I want for us as a church. I want us to be the wisest people with finances. Okay, so a three points today. How do we pass the prosperity test? How do you pass the prosperity test? Point number one, put God first in your finances. Put God first in your finances. Now, if I ask you a question, is God first in your finances? You might say yes, no, maybe, I don't know. Let me ask you a question. What is the evidence, if you're saying yes, he's first in my finances, what is the evidence for that? Is there something you can show me in your finances that proves to me that God is first in your finances? Well, I will say one of the things that you can do to put God first in your finances is become a tither, okay? Um, what is a tithe? Tithe is giving the first, and I'll, I'll, I'll emphasize first here in a minute, the first 10% of your increase to the Lord's work, to, to, to the church or to missions or to whatever, okay, to the Lord's work. Let me ask you a question. When you receive a paycheck, do you give 10% to the Lord's work? Do you sow it um, to your church? When you, when you receive a bonus, do you give 10% to the Lord's work. Are you a tither? Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever received money that you did not expect? Money came in that you didn't even know that money was coming in. Let me ask you a question. That was an extra blessing in your life. Did you tithe off of that increase? Okay. Um, I don't know about you, but in, in my life, there have been times where I'm in financial trouble and it's like, oh man, I've, you know, I'm in trouble. I'm behind. I've got bills or whatever. Um, there's been times where I've prayed. I'm like, God, um, I need help. And then unexpectedly, and suddenly, you know, God will provide, and um, and I'll have something come in that will that will that will help me. I don't know. If, have you ever been there where something comes in? Amen. Let me ask you a question: Did you tithe off of that blessing that God did you uh, that God gave you? Did you honor Him with the first fruits of your increase? Okay. So I want to encourage you today: Be a tither. And listen, if you think we're all about money here at this church, um, listen. Go to a different church and tie it to them. I don't care. I like This is good for you. This is good for all of us, okay? We need to be givers. We need to be tithers. Now, what I want to say is tithing is not just giving 10%. This is important. It's giving the first 10%. The first 10%, okay? Let me give you a couple examples from Scripture. God, listen, God wants to be first in your life. Um, let me Example number one. Remember the children of Israel... Um, they wandered around the de- God brought them out of Egypt. They wandered around the desert for 40 years. And then God was bringing them into the promised land, right? And they had to cross the, the Jordan River to come into the promised land. And this is what God said. He said, hey, you're going to be taking plunder from all of these cities. I'm, I'm giving these, these cities into your hands. I'm giving you the promised land. I'm going to empower Israel to take the promised land. And he says this, but... The silver, the gold, the bronze, and the iron from Jericho are sacred and need to be put into the Lord's treasury. Okay, what was so special about Jericho? 
when they crossed into the promised land. What was so special about this city? Anyone? Come on. All right, all right, I'll tell you. All right, here you go. Here's what was so special about Jericho. It was the first city. Okay, God didn't say, go take 10 cities and then give me the gold, silver, and bronze from one city. He said, go into the promised land. The first city that you're going to take is Jericho. The gold, silver, bronze from that city belongs to me. Why? Because it's the first fruits. It's the first thing when you come into, uh, into the promised land. <clears throat> the first city that they overthrew. God didn't say, go take 10 cities and give me one of them. You pick it. No, he said, no, I want the first one, okay? God, this is why we give the first fruits of our increase to the Lord. Uh, let me give you another example from Scripture. Um, very early on in the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter uh, 4, um, how many know that Adam and Eve had, had two sons? They had more sons and daughters after that, but initially they had two sons, Cain and Abel. And both Cain and Abel, in the course of time, brought an offering to the Lord. And the Bible says that God accepted Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's offering. Okay, let's read why. Genesis 4, 2 through 5, it says this. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel's gift, uh, and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he was dejected. Okay, I used to think that the reason why God rejected Cain's offering was because it was like produce and vegetables, and then you know Abel brought some meat up in here, you know. And I'm like, and if, and if I was God, I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I want the fatty portions. Who cares about those vegetables? Get those out of here. I used to think maybe that was why, but here's the deal. That's not why. The reason why he accepted Abel's offering, not Cain's, is because Abel did not bring some of his increase. He brought the firstborn lambs and presented them to the Lord. Okay, You see, with, with Cain, God wasn't looking for some fruits of the soil. He was looking for the first fruits of the soil to be offered. Okay, God wants to be first in your life. And let me tell you something. It's not even good for you, for God to allow you, to make him second in your life. It's, he wants to be first, and it's the best thing for you in the world. He wants what's good for you. Abel, so Cain was a farmer. Abel was a rancher. Abel, a rancher, brought the firstborn of the flocks. Okay, so when you tithe, here's the deal. It's not just 10% that's in your hand. It's the first 10% that leaves your hand. Okay, the first 10%, and that's important. Um, now, again, I said, Emily and I, we, we take the prosperity test every other week. We get paid every other Friday. And um, I usually wake up Friday morning, boom, direct deposit, waiting there for, I'll get a notification, there's a direct deposit, that's our paycheck. What I do is I, we have it set up direct, direct deposit where we tithe, or direct withdrawal, I should say, we tithe to the church the very next day, Saturday morning. So the first thing that comes out of our checking account after we get paid is the tithe. I want to encourage you, be like that. Our, we're raising our kids this way. My, my daughter, Evie, um, when she makes some money at a lemonade stand or does some chores around the house and we give her um, an allowance. Um, recently, I, my car was really messy and I paid her to detail it. She did a super job, so I gave her 50 bucks. She did a really good job and it was really dirty. Um, I said, hey, remember, when we go to church, I want to teach you, take a tithe. What is, what is 10% of 50? Yeah, $5. Hey, take that money to the church and give it 
as a tithe to the church. Okay, so teach your guys, teach your children this as well. Okay, teach your kids to be tithers, teach them to marry tithers. Come on, amen. All right, now. I'll move on here because I have a couple other points. I'm not just talking about tithing. I have some other points I want to get to. I could teach a lot about this. There's definitely more I could say. But one of the things I want to say is technically you don't give the tithe because the tithe already belongs to the Lord. Technically, you return the tithe to its rightful owner. You're not actually giving tithe. You're returning the tithe to its rightful owner. God says, I want to trust you with this, and I'll see if you give back to me what is mine. Amen? Okay, listen. Uh, recently, Pastor Greg here, amazing guy, he was doing some work on his house, and he borrowed my circular saw. And he did some work, and over the course of time, he, he brought that circular saw back to me. Right? Well, listen, when I got it back, technically he didn't give me my saw. He returned my saw to me. I'm the rightful owner of that saw. He brought it back to me, okay? Um, this is the same thing with tithe. Technically, you don't give the tithe. You actually just return it back to the Lord because he's the one that gave you the, the ability to produce that wealth in the first place. Amen? We need to acknowledge that. Someone might say, well, wait a minute. I made this money. I worked hard for this money. Yes, but the Lord gave you that ability. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Amen? Okay. So honor God with the first fruits of your increase, the first 10%. And yes, there is a blessing connected to it. And don't take my word for it. Find a tither. If you don't believe me, find a tither and ask them, is it worth it? Should I become a tither? I guarantee you they will answer yes. There's a blessing connected to it. Amen? All right. So that's point one. How do we pass the prosperity test? Become a tither. Point number two, learn deferred gratification. Learn deferred gratification. We live in a a now culture, and we live in a debt-based culture. Okay, We live off of debt. We live for now. I just want to encourage you, save up for things. Save up for cars. Save up for the stuff you want. Don't put it all on the card, right? Don't go into debt over everything. It says this in Proverbs 22, verse 7. It says this, the borrower is slave to the lender. Okay, some of us are in a lot of slavery because we've taken on a lot of debt, right? We've got too much of that going on. What do we need to do? Everyone needs to do this. Whether you're 17 or 75, you need to do this. You need to set a budget. Set yourself a budget. Save for things. Learn deferred gratification. I realize it's not like fun to come to church and shout preaching to talk about a budget, you know, um, just talk about how Jesus loves us. And that's amazing, you know. Um, but listen, as a pastor, I want you to have peace in your life. I want you to have peace. I don't want extra stress in your life. Um, st- financial stress, it causes marital problems. It causes health problems. I want you to have peace in your life. And I want you to live off in abundance. Okay. Set a budget. Okay. Um, here's why. Let me give you seven reasons why you need to uh, set a budget. Uh, number one, it helps us see things clearly and objectively. Number two, it makes us examine and clarify our values and priorities. Number three, a budget provides a basis for discussion and agreement, right? So we talk about the budget. We discuss the budget. What should we put in? What should we take out? And there's agreement there. It's good. Uh, Number four, a budget provides a basis for accountability, 
Number five, a budget helps us live within our means. Number six, it helps us live without debt. And number seven, a budget builds character and discipline in our lives. Okay? Living a disciplined life is good. People don't like the word discipline. But discipline is actually a good thing. Here's why. A disciplined life actually means more freedom. It actually means you're more free. If you live a disciplined life, especially with your finances, you're actually free to do more things and not to be so encumbered by debt. How many know if you live a disciplined life physically, you eat the right food, you exercise, you're actually more free than the person who treats their body terribly. You're able to do more things and you're going to live longer and you're going to have less medical bills, right? Um, if you save up for a family vacation, you live more free because you save that money and it's not debt than the person who is not disciplined, okay? So um, learn deferred gratification and save for things, amen? Okay, that's point number two. Point number three, how do we pass the prosperity test? We need to live below our means. Live. So many Americans live right up to their means, and sometimes... They don't live even, they live, their means don't even meet what they're actually spending, okay? Live, but learn to live below your means. Joseph developed such a good budget that the Lord gave him this strategy that it fed the whole world for seven years. A supernatural strategy the Lord gave him. Um, he, what did they do? They lived below their means. They lived off of 80% for seven years, and they saved 20 for uh, those seven years and then lived off of that. Okay, I think that's a great principle, actually. If you can, I mean, I don't know where you're at financially. Some of you are probably doing great. Some of you are probably really struggling and need some prayer and need some help in that direction. But man, if you could get to the point where you live off of 80 and you know, tithe 10%, save and invest 10%, or even better, if you could live off of 70% and invest and save 20%, that's even better. Get to the point where you live below your means, so much less stress in your life, so many... Um, it's such a better way to live. Um, I mentioned this in the last service, but I just got some unexpected money from the state of Colorado. They, uh, they gave us a refund, right? And so I guess Jared Polis is trying to get reelected, so they sent us all some money, you know. But here's what I want to say. Listen, if you don't have an emergency fund, don't spend that money that the government just sent you, okay? You need an emergency fund. We all need an emergency fund. Listen, you have no business spending $5 on a cup of coffee and having three streaming networks and a $1,000 phone if you have no um, emergency fund. Get yourself an emergency fund, okay? You will thank me later if you don't have it. Amen? I was going to ask for show hands. I'm not going to ask how many hands have an emergency fund, okay? I know that all y'all saw that check and were like, I'm, you thought of 100 things you can get. Save it, all right? Unless you got an emergency fund, then you can go spend it, whatever. Okay. We need to learn to be content to live within the means that the Lord has given us. So many of us just aren't content. And listen, I think contentment is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. My wife and I talk about this sometimes, but we have friends sometimes. And it's like, it doesn't matter how much they make or where they live or where they go. They're never content. They're always like striving for something more and just never at peace with where they're at and what the Lord has for them. Live divine contentment. Um, it says this in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. All right? For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. Um, 
I, I think this was mentioned here at church a few weeks ago, but during our sabbatical, um, Pastor Howard Skinner, who preached here in um, January, uh, had, has passed away. And we'll mention here at the end of the service when his memorial service is going to be. But one of the things, well, by the way, this, this was kind of a cool thing. I wanted to mention this to you guys. Pastor Howard came to me at the end of last year and he says, hey, I think I have a, a word of the Lord for the church. And I'd like to give it. And I said, well, you know, I started thinking about, it. Um, you know, we're going to, Emily and I are planning on, on the sabbatical next summer, you know, around July. And maybe we can get you, maybe we can get you in around July or something like that. And he was like, um, I kind of feel like it's a little more urgent than that. And I need to do it sooner. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I rethought it. And we, we got him in January, the first Sunday of January to, to preach here. And I'm so glad that we did that because he was able to minister up here and anoint the, you know, the whole church. It was such an amazing, do you guys remember that? Such an amazing blessing. I'm so glad we did. We're, I think we're the last place that he actually preached a message. And so what a, what a man of God. But we helped Howard um, at the beginning, in the last year and this year too. Um, we helped them move out of their house and help them sell their house. And, and then he took everything out of the house that he wanted. Um, and, and he left the, you know, the rest of the church. He said, oh, I, want to, I want to give this to the church. So your staff can have it or you can give it away or you can sell it or whatever you want to do. And... We're like, really? That's a that's a huge blessing. He's like, well, he's like, you never seen a U-Haul following a hearse, do you? <laughs> Came into this world with nothing. I'm leaving with nothing. You don't see a U-Haul following a hearse. How much of how much of your money you're going to leave behind to your children? All of it. How much of your stuff are you going to leave behind to your children? All of it. Okay, that's how much. Okay, we're taking nothing out of this world, just ourselves. Verse eight. But if we have food and clothing, that we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice he didn't say money's evil. He says the love of it is the root of all kinds of evil. Okay, Money's not wrong. Making a lot isn't wrong. Working hard isn't wrong. It's certainly good. But loving money is another problem, okay? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Listen, if we can't have divine contentment, we are going to, you could possibly, apparently Paul's saying this, some who have um, love for money have even wandered from the faith, okay, and pierced themselves with many griefs. So here's the deal. Godliness with contentment is great gain, Okay, people who are not content to live within the means they have have all kinds of stresses in their lives. Marital stress, health stress, all these kind of things that God doesn't want to have for you. And I don't want you to have either because I'm a pastor and I love you. I want you, to be, I want you to be free from that stress. What do we need to do? Many times we have to get our wanter under control. Amen? We all have a wanter. I have a list of things I want to buy right now. I have a list of things that I want to buy, and my bank account says no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, that's normal. That's pretty normal. And, and I'm saving for things, and when I can afford them, I will get them. Okay, we need to get our wanter under control. Any of you who have children know this. When you go into the grocery store, the wanter comes alive, doesn't it? Because <laughs> they see candy, they see ice cream, they see whatever. But listen, the wanter's still there when you become an adult. It's just a different wanter. Now the wanter is like boats and new cars and other things, Okay. God's not against those things. If you've worked hard for what you've earned, God has no problem with you enjoying the fruit of your labor. You, you should enjoy the fruit of your labor. You've worked hard for it, right? 
But here's what he doesn't want. He doesn't want us living outside of our means, outside of our budget. Amen? So get your want under control. Money promises what only God can give. Money promises happiness, but only God can give happiness. Money promises security, but only God can give that. Money promises friends, but it's really the Lord who leads us into divine relationships. Amen? All right. Now conclude with this. If you're going to get from your dream to your destiny, one of the tests you have to pass is how to handle finances. How to handle finances. This is something the Lord wants us all to do well at. Okay? Go ahead and put up those three points. I want to ask you a question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you personally through this message? Some of you have never made God first in your finances, and and you need to go home and have a talk with your spouse, or if you're not married, have a talk with yourself and the Lord, and make God first in your finances. Become a tither. Some of you need to exercise deferred gratification. Learn to wait. Set yourself a budget. Some of you need to start living below your means and get that wanter under control and learn to have divine contentment with what the Lord has given us. This morning, I really want to pray, and and whatever the Lord's speaking to you in this area, um, I'm sure, we again, we can all use a tune-up in this area for sure because we all buy dumb things from time to time that we didn't need, right? But, man, don't you hate that buyer's remorse? That's such a bad feeling, especially when it's a big commitment, okay? But this morning, why don't you guys stand to your feet? I want to pray a divine strategy. God, and every person here, God would give you a strategy for how to steward the finances he has placed in your hands. I want our church to be the best in the world with wisdom and understanding. God gave Joseph such an amazing strategy to endure a famine. What about a recession, right? Come on, God wants to give us a strategy to endure these things. So I'm going to pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for every individual here. Lord, I thank you for what you have placed in our hands. You've been so good to us, and we live in such a blessed country. Lord, we thank you for that. We honor you for that, Lord. And I just pray for every person that you would teach us individually how to steward our finances. Give us um, divine strategy of what to invest in and what not to invest in, Lord. Um, How to save, Lord, because you are the Lord of all. And I just pray for even dreams and visions that you would just release right now over these people because you want us to walk in abundance and you don't want us to walk encumbered with all the stresses that financial problems can bring. So, Lord, we love you, we bless you, and I'm excited to hear testimonies of people who are getting divine strategy for the Lord's finances in their life. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. All right, God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Emily's going to close us.